questions 9 and 10. Question number 9, what is the work of creation? The work of creation is God making all things of nothing by the word of his power in the span of six days and all very good. Okay? And question number 10. How did God create man? God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. Okay, this is awesome. God used a pattern when he created man, and that pattern was himself. Man was made to be like God on the creaturely level. Man, as created, knew God, thought and acted righteously, and was pure in heart and full of love for his maker. All right? This is how we were created. Okay? Today's new question, what are God's works of providence? Answer, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, persevering, Oh, preserving, sorry, preserving and governing all his creatures and their actions. Okay. That's something. Go ahead. Huh? That something. That, yeah, that's amazing, right? I mean, everything's something, but that's something. Yeah, that, that's totally amazing that God is governing it all, okay? This gives us hope amidst all the nastiness, okay? Okay, we're, we're going to get into that a little bit here in question 12, the nastiness, okay? But first, what are God's works of providence? His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing of all his creatures and all their actions, okay? Psalm 145, 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all of his works. Psalm 145. 104.24, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. Nehemiah 9.6, Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worship thee. And Ephesians 1, 19 through 22, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Okay? So God not only created everything, he continues to maintain everything. And because he is all-powerful, his plan is fulfilled. Not even a sparrow can die without his will. Yet in everything, he is holy and wise. Okay, The actions of men are under his control, but the sinfulness of the sinful acts of men belongs entirely to themselves. 
That's what I was thinking of, the nastiness there. Okay? God is always holy and wise, right? The nastiness we have to take responsibility for. Okay? And we're going to get that to that, the fall of man in our next questions. But our second question for today, question number 12. What special act of providence did God exercise towards man in the state in which he was created? Okay, answer. When God had created man, he entered into a covenant of life with him on condition of perfect obedience, forbidding him to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil on penalty of death. Okay, so Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. For in the day that thou eatest, therefore thou shalt surely die. Right? How much more clear of an explanation? There's none, right? The word of God. Right? Fallen because we disobeyed. James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Okay? And just that footnote there, a covenant is a solemn agreement. We call the agreement God made with Adam a covenant of life because if it had been kept by man, a higher form of life from which he could never fall, would have resulted. The threat of death was conditional and implied the promise of life if he did not disobey. Not just continued existence, but immortal glory. Right? That's how God created us. Okay? So the good news is, all of this goodness that God created, Jesus is redeeming. He's redeemed it, right? This is the covenant of grace that we're in now, right? In exchange for payment of his life, Jesus has possession of it all. Okay? The covenant of grace is what we're in in our Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for this teaching of this, this, um, this um, concise um, bringing together of your truths that the saints before us have done this awesome work. Lord, um, help us to embrace these truths, to live in this reality right here, the Word of God, that explains everything, everything. We praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so we'll continue in the book of Matthew for our message today. Matthew chapter 13. Yeah. Matthew chapter 13, uh, page 576, if you have a pew Bible. Lord, it really is awesome. To know the reality of how you created things and that you came as a servant, right? 
to pay the penalty for our disobedience so that we could be reconciled to you, redeemed back unto that reality, Lord. Uh, thank you that you are making all things new, Lord, in you. So uh, we praise you for that, Lord. And we are thankful for our time now in the book of Matthew. Lord, uh, lead us through it. Uh, may we see you more clearly. Um, the reality that is you and the life, the lives that you want us to live as a result of that, Lord. Convict us, Lord. Encourage us, Lord. All for your glory and our good, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we'll start, uh, we'll do... Uh, we'll start with Matthew chapter 13. We'll start with looking at verses 34 and 35 where we left off from last week. And then we'll do some more. But we'll start with verses 34 and 35 of Matthew chapter 13. All of these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Okay, so these parables that Jesus has been speaking in, parables are simple stories used to illustrate moral or spiritual lessons. Okay, God, Jesus is teaching us spiritual lessons. Okay, he's been telling us simple stories about seeds and soils, about wheat and weeds, about mustard seeds and yeast. Okay, so what's the moral or spiritual lesson God is trying to teach us in all of these simple stories? I think this, that Jesus is the Lord, okay? And because he is the Lord, he is to be the focus of our lives. And he will teach us the truths of God and of life. Okay? Because Jesus is Lord, he is to be the focus of life, period. Right? For everyone and everything over all of time. He is the focus of God's entire spoken word. The entire Bible. Okay? The Old Testament wasn't just about predicting Jesus' birth, his ministry, and his death. It also predicted that Jesus, God has come to us in a human body, would teach us in parables. Okay, Matthew ch chapter 13, verse 35. I will open my mouth in parables. This is a fulfillment of Psalm 78. And I always like turning there to actually see it. Uh, Psalm 78, page 369 in your pew Bible. Psalm 78, verses 1 and 2. This is awesome, right? Our Lord speaking, I love this first verse, right? Psalm 78, verse 1, our Lord, the word of our Lord. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. Okay? The whole Old Testament was prophecy about Jesus. Okay? It was predicting accurately the future coming of Jesus. I will open my mouth in a parable. 
why does God put all of this focus on his son, right? If we turn back to Matthew, chapter 13, verse 35, okay? Again, the second part of verse 35, Jesus says, I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Okay, another interpretation of that verse, Jesus will explain things hidden from the foundation of the world. This is why God wants us to focus on his son. The parable of the seed and the soil that we looked at a couple weeks ago, has it ever been so simply stated and clearly stated before that all we need to be fruitful is to be available and open to receiving the word of God, right? Good soil is soil that has understanding, okay? It stands underneath Jesus. It has faith in Jesus, the sower, and his spoken word, the seed. Jesus plants, then he produces the fruit. His righteousness through us. We just need to be open to receiving him and his word. This is what faith is, right? We receive his works. Good soil. We just receive his works. How about the parable of the wheat and the tares? The tares, the weeds, okay? Has it ever been so simply and clearly stated before that the fruitfulness of good soil, right, will express itself? This is how we express ourselves, Jesus working in us. By surprising love towards evil persons, the weeds, okay? Rather than just wiping out the weeds, God's love is let them grow and let God deal with them. Okay? Thank God he hasn't wiped us out. How about the parable of the little mustard seed and the little bit of yeast? Has it ever been so simply and clearly stated before that the not-so-littleness of Jesus and his gospel message is the very power of God to protect and shelter, feed and nourish, transform and redeem the entire world? The simplicity of Jesus' parables should not mislead us. He is teaching us revolutionary, all-powerful God truths. These parables are all about the supremacy and the all-sufficiency of Jesus and his spoken word. Think about this. These parables are transforming us. They're changing our hearts. The very power of God, right? To transform and redeem the whole world through these parables, okay? This is awesome. We just need to be good soil, open to receiving the power of God in his word. Put our faith in that. Jesus is the only one who can create patient love in an evil world. Okay? Patient love in an evil world. This truth about God has never been taught with the same power and clarity like it has been with Jesus' parables. He will explain things hidden from the foundation of the world. This is why God wants us to focus on his son.
Because Jesus is Lord, right? And only he can teach us the truths about God and the truths about how God wants us to live life. Okay? We come here to be transformed by God and his word. Then we go out into the world to deal with it, guys. Okay, so that being said, let's look at another passage from Matthew chapter 13. The explanation of the weeds, verses 36 through 43. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the, as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. Praise you, God, for your word. That is awesome. Verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Okay, I want to share with you a quote. When Jesus leaves a crowd and comes into a house and answers disciples' questions, it's usually a gospel's writer's way of saying how privileged we are to be in the house of the church. Praise God, you guys. For here we have access to the Lord's mind and interpretation. Okay? We are students of God himself. Right? Jesus wants to teach us. We should have a desire to learn and grow from him, from God himself. Right? His words are the power of God. Jesus should be our priority. He is the Lord. His words are the power of God to change us. Thank you, Lord, right? Verse 37, he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Okay? He that soweth, right? He's still doing it. God is still planting seeds. All right? Jesus is the Word of God. He alone speaks God's truth, right? He's still speaking to us. Uh, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Page 712 in the Pew Bible, if you want. God is still speaking. Uh, chapter 1. Just look at the first couple verses. Hebrews 
Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who had sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, right? So we no longer need any new revelations from God. God, Jesus, is speaking to us as we go through his scripture. Okay? Jesus, he lived in the company of his initial disciples, and he continues to live with and rule over the church and the world. All right? That nothing has changed. Matthew 20 or Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 I keep going over these right and Jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always he continues to live with us, God does, and rule over the church and the world. He's doing it right now. So this leads us to our next verse in Matthew chapter 13. Right. Matthew chapter 13, verse 38. The field is the world. Okay? Then the good seed are the children of the kingdom. Okay? The good seed that are the children of the kingdom, that's the church, right? But the field where God plants his seed, it's not just the church. It's the whole world. Right? The field is the world, it says. This is our Father's world. Okay? God is at work in the whole world in ways that might be unknown to us, right? We can be so short-sighted. We only see what the news is telling us. But the church, it's growing all over the world. The nations are being discipled, okay? This is what the reality is going on right now. Africa, China, the church is growing, What Jesus taught us in this parable of the good soil, God's word, not in this one, in the last one, about the good soil, okay? God's word is what makes good fruit, okay? God's word produces the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Now what Jesus is teaching us in this parable of the weeds, the goal of the good fruit is God's entire world. Okay, remember, back in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus taught us that we are his disciples, and we are the salt of the earth, right? And the light of the world, right? The field where God is planting his seed is the entire world. This is Jesus' world. He created it, he's sustaining it, and he will redeem it. Verse 38 again. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Okay? Okay, so Jesus is teaching us here that there's two planters. 
Okay, over the course of all of history, there is himself, the son of man, and there is the evil one. Okay, so this is the reality, right? As God's word, word tells us, right? There are two sides in life. The children of the kingdom of God on one side and the children of the evil one on the other side. Verse 39, the enemy that sowed them is the devil, okay? The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels, okay? So as the church, we cannot ignore the reality of the devil, okay? When we ignore the devil, right, the reality of him is he's sneaking around looking for people to devour. But Jesus has been teaching us, right, not to give too much of a focus to the devil, okay? Don't deny the devil, but Jesus has conquered the devil. The devil appears in this parable, but he's not the focus anywhere in all of the Gospels. But he is a reality that we must be aware of and warn about. The devil is trying to keep people from Jesus. This is ultimately what he's doing. He's trying to keep people from Jesus. He is trying to raise up for himself his own followers even within the church, okay? This is the reality of things. There's two sides. We're following the Lord or we're following the devil. But this parable is clear, right? The devil's trying to raise up his own followers even within the church, okay? So are we focused on evil, right, and talking about that all the time? Or are we focused on Jesus and talking about God's kingdom all of the time, right? What is the message that we are preaching to the surrounding world? The children of God and the children of the evil one have opposing messages, right? What is it that we are talking about? Who is it that we are focused on? Who is it that we are children of? Okay? The second part of Matthew chapter, uh, verse 13, 39, the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. So I think most, almost all other translations have that translated. The harvest is the consummation of the age, the end of this age, this time, right? This is our father's world. It will not end, okay? And the reapers are the angels. Jesus is teaching us that all of history is headed to a real specific point, okay? He is going to explain to us now the final events, verses 40 through and 42. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world, or this age, okay? The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Okay? So first of all, this is super encouraging. Okay? There will be justice. Right? There will be justice. Jesus had taught us earlier to be patient with evil, right? But this does not mean he will let evil slide, okay? There will be judgment. 
Our Lord's teaching is clear. Be patient with evil now, but God, because, why? Because God will give it what it deserves. There will be justice. God's present kingdom, it may seem weak, right? Jesus was hung on the cross, but he rose from the dead, right? God commands us to be meek, humble, poor in spirit, broken before him in repentance, a lover of our enemies, so that God will be strong in us, right? So that he can raise us up to be with him and like him, so that he will get all the glory. When we are weak, he is strong, okay? Justice and judgment belongs to God, and this ultimately takes place at the end of history. Count on it, rest in it, and praise God for it. Also in this parable, Jesus gives us, his church, some very sobering news. The enemy is within our midst. Okay? Verse 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. Okay, so instead of being so concerned with everything going on outside, right, we need to be concerned about ourselves. In this verse, who are the people that offend? Okay, that's what it says. All things that offend. Who are the people that offend? Are we living testimonies unto our Lord Jesus, right? Who he is, what he does, what he says and commands. Or are we a stumbling block to other people? Are we driving people away from having faith in the Lord? I'm guilty of this. When we act and talk contrary to Jesus' teaching and commands, we are discouraging others from being united with Jesus. That's the goal, for people to be united with Jesus. Share with you another quote here. The eagerness to destroy others is the hallmark of the satanic. It is found in those who do not have any fear that they might be a stumbling block to others. Okay? So when we act and talk contrary to Jesus' teaching and commands, we are discouraging others from being united with Jesus. This is the goal. People would be united with Jesus. He changes hearts, right? When we're doing that, we are the people who offend. Okay, how about in this verse, who are the people that do iniquity? The word iniquity or lawlessness is the same word that Jesus uses back in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. I'll actually read verse 22 also. Real sobering, right? God wants us to look at ourselves, you guys. We look at ourselves, right? God changes our heart. We go out there as salt and light. Okay? The world needs us. The world needs Jesus, right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? 
And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity or lawlessness. Right? Jesus will tell people, depart from me. Right? That's the worst thing. Right? That's what... I just never thought about this. That's the worst thing anybody could ever hear from the Lord. Right? Do our hearts feel that way? Right? If the Lord were to say from us, depart from me, that's the worst thing ever. Jesus will tell people, depart from me, to anyone who lived against God's scriptural, scriptural law as interpreted by him. Okay? God's Messiah of the Scripture. Alright? So today, being lawless or immoral or unbiblical would mean being anti-Sermon on the Mount, for instance. Right? Anti-meek, humble, poor in spirit, broken for, before God in repentance, a lover of our enemies. Right? Jesus is calling us to live according to God's law as He interprets it. Okay? Is our speech, are our actions encouraging others to unite with Jesus? Right? That's what it means to be a Christian. Christ-like. Right? Are we encouraging others to unite with Jesus? Jesus says here in today's parable, if our faith is not in him, okay? He interprets God's law for us. Okay? If our faith is not in him, if we are rep representing something other than him and his interpretation of God's word, if we are preventing others from being discipled to Jesus in faith by leading them away from keeping the law of God as interpreted by Jesus' commands, right? then we will be gathered out of his kingdom. This is how important, right? The Lord Verse 42 of Matthew chapter 13. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire that shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Okay? So this, it, this isn't, you guys, about being works-based, okay? That we have to keep the commands of God perfectly to be standing with Him. This is about who is our God. Okay? Are we children of the evil one? Are we pointing others to him by our living and are talking about his actions in the world? Or are we children of the kingdom of God? Are we pointing others to Jesus by our living, are talking about his actions in the world? He is teaching all nations. Jesus wants to keep us from going to the reality that is hell. Okay? He is warning us. Focus on him and his commands. Make our lives about following his leading as Lord of heaven and earth. The wailing and gnashing of teeth indicates, right, a deep feeling of regret and anguish for missing out on the opportunity to live Jesus as Lord, right, of heaven and earth. That's what the wailing and the gnashing of teeth is. Ah, I missed out. Could have lived with the Lord. Okay, because if Jesus is our top priority, the last verse today, 
Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Okay? God wants us to be confident in this, in him. Okay? I'll close with this quote. I'm going to read that again. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. All right? The emphasis in this verse is on the shining glory that will be the privilege of the struggling people of God. Right? We're not denying that. We're struggling. Right? The shining glory that will be the privilege of the struggling people of God when the kingdom of their Father finally comes to us at the end. Right? The hope of being part of this cosmic light show, it says, motivates disciples to keep Jesus' love command now against all obstacles. Living contrary to what's going on in the world, right? Living as Jesus is Lord, right? Let the person who has ears to hear listen. Lord, we pray for that for ears. 